love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. How are you all doing? Everything is changing. When you get here next week, brand new carpet. That screen, that's a work in progress. So we're looking at our options for the screen. I hope you kind of sang with a, a little bit of a wave in your singing there as you got to the edge of the page. I mean, that's, that's what was up there. Hey, welcome to those who are online. If you didn't hear earlier... We are going to be celebrating communion uh, at the end of our service, so at home, join us for communion, get yourself some bread, some juice, so that we can commune together wherever we may be. So I know there are people that watch in England, there are people that watch in the Philippines, all over the place, so it's kind of neat, you know, I say good morning here, but for some it's good afternoon, and for some it's good evening, but we're one in the Spirit, aren't we? That's what it's all about. We are in a series, oh, if you'd like to take notes, if you didn't get a uh, sermon note, please raise your hands and we'll get one to you. There's one online for those people who are online. Anyone need a copy of the sermon notes? Speak now or forever be silent. Everybody got one. They put them in the bulletin, didn't they? They are just so smart, those people, I tell you. So we're in a series called Life Hacks. Life Hacks are tweaks or changes that we can make to life to help life be a little bit better. And two weeks ago, we talked about happiness. Who made somebody happy this week? Good. There's one person, two people. I tried, just didn't work out very well. And what about encouragement? We talked about encouragement. Who, who did some intentional praising or encouraging? Anyone? Yes, a few. I did some. That's, that's awesome. So online, if you did it online, Put it in there, and Sandra's watching. Let us know if you made somebody happy, if you encouraged someone this week. Today, we've got a really tough one. It's a hard one today, so get yourselves ready. We're going to be talking about... Sometimes, you know, you say something, it sounds easy, but when you start digging in, it gets a little bit tougher. Accepting one another. Now, this whole series is based on a book by Max Licato called How Happiness Happens. And at this morning's message, I heavily leaned on Max for this, this message. Uh, just a great chapter in the book. So we're going to talk about one of the most challenging aspects of our Christian walk. But first, a story. Everybody likes a story, right? You may recognize this story. Once upon a time, there was a neighborhood not unlike many of the neighborhoods that we live in. The lawns were neatly kept. The houses were well-maintained. The fences regularly painted. Most of the homes had a husband and a wife, one, two, three kids, maybe a dog, maybe a cat, maybe a goldfish, maybe all of the above. The people were nice people. When they're driving down the street, if they saw one another, they'd wave. They're walking down to the mailbox, they'd stop and they would chat to one another. On Sunday, they would get up and they would go to church. But one day, their idyllic life got rattled. A man moved into the house at the intersection of Church Street and Pleasant Avenue. A man, not a couple, a man, no kids, and he was single. His name was Levi. He had a souped-up Dodge Challenger. You know, one of those ones that are really noisy. We've got one on our street. The guy starts at 8.20 in the morning, and everybody gets up at 8.20 in the morning. 
He had a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Levi liked to party. One of the first things that Levi did, he installed a big deck, a big pool, a grill, and an outdoor sound system. And on Saturday night, just as the people in the neighborhood were settling down to get ready for bed because they're getting up for church in the morning, Levi was beginning to crank it up with his friends. His friends didn't come from that area. They didn't look like the people in that area. The girls, they wore their jeans just a little too tight and their top just a little too low. The guys weren't much better. They showed up in big pickup trucks and sports cars and motorbikes, and they took up every parking space on the street. They talked too loud. They cussed too often. They drank too much, and they partied too late. On Sunday morning, when the good people got up for church and they got in their cars and they drove past Levi's place, a lot of the friends' cars and bikes and trucks were still there, all haphazardly parked because of last night's late beer run. His lawn covered in bottles, cans, cigarette butts. And typically as they drove by, they would turn to the children in the car and they would say, that man needs Jesus. And they're right. And one day Jesus came to the neighborhood, walked right on into the neighborhood. He knocked on some doors, see if anybody wanted to chat, see if anybody had time for him. But nobody had time for him. They have busy lives. They've got kids. Kids are in sports things. They're in this, they're in that. The other is a homeowner's association and work and everything else. And you know, They like Jesus, but I don't have time today. No one had time for Jesus, except for the man who lived at the intersection of Church Street and Pleasant Avenue. The guy with the loud car and the loud friends. He had time. Jesus knocked on Levi's door. Levi opened the door. He said, come on in. And they hung out. They grilled burgers together. They had a drink together. They listened to some music together. They played pool. They played darts. They had a great time. Jesus liked Levi. Levi liked Jesus. Levi found this was someone. I I could just talk to this guy. And every time Jesus was in the area, he'd pay a visit to Levi's house. And Levi always looked forward to Jesus' visit. One day Jesus was visiting with him, and and Levi told Jesus about his sordid past. Jesus told Levi about a hope and a future and forgiveness. And Levi looked at, at Jesus, he said, forgiveness? Like, he, even, even for someone like me? Jesus winked at him and said, especially for someone like you. One day, Jesus gave Levi a special invitation, a special visit. He said, Levi, come follow me. And Levi left everything to follow Jesus. Levi, better known as Matthew, the author of the first gospel in the Bible. The story's been slightly modified. But before Levi was Matthew, he was stained goods. He was a traitor. He was a turncoat. He was a Benedict Arnold. We've talked about this before. He was a Jewish tax collector working for the Romans. He was the reverse of Robin Hood. He stole from the poor to give to the rich. And the way that it worked in Rome, Caesar, collect whatever taxes you want. Just give us our our cup. So Levi got rich stealing 
from poor people, stealing from his own people. He had long since given up integrity, switched integrity for a fat wallet. That's how Levi could afford the car, the bike, the outdoor sound system, the house. He got rich off the backs of the poor and the vulnerable. Nobody liked Levi. He didn't get invited to the high school reunion. He didn't get invited to anything. And that's one of the reasons he accepted Jesus' offer. Follow me. Someone accepted him. And he joined Jesus in this ragtag bunch of disciples, a bunch of fishermen. And he liked those guys. He got on with those guys. He liked his new life. But he still liked his old friends. They're a bit salty, a little bit sleazy. But they were good guys at heart. And he missed them. And one day he's talking to Jesus. He said, you know, I, I like Peter and, and, and Andrew and these guys. I, I really get along with them. But I really miss my old friends. And Jesus said, you don't have to give up your old friends to follow me. I'd love to meet them. And Levi said, really? I'll put a party on. We'll have a banquet. So Levi organized a party. He invited Jesus. He invited his new friends. He invited his old friends. And they were all mixed there. It was like, how do I put this? Booze, babes, and Bibles. (laughs) all in the same room, and they're mixing, and they're getting along with each other. Everybody's smiling, they're having a good time, and they're chatting, talking. And I bet you it was some party, because Levi was still a rich guy. Filet mignon, caviar, the finest wines. It's like Sunday school meets happy hour. Jesus thought it was great. The religious leaders, however, not so much. They were called the Pharisees. The word Pharisee comes from an old Hebrew word that means one who is separate, to separate oneself. And their theology, their idea was that if you want to stay clean, if you want to stay pure, get away from anything that's dirty. They would have loved isolation. What do we call it? Quarantine. There you go. One bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Don't go near bad apples. That was their philosophy. And then they see Jesus doing, having this big party with these icky people. So what do you think they did? Anyone know? They crashed the party. I mean, talk about hypocrisy. They crashed the party. So they come barging in and they start pointing fingers at Jesus. How come you people hang out with sinners? How come you people hang out with these kind of people? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In their minds, it was simple. Good, godly people don't hang out with bad people. You can imagine right away, Levi's friends, they're used to this. They've heard this song before. Same song, chorus 80. So they start picking up their stuff. Same old story. We're not good enough. And Jesus stands up. He says, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. He stands up figuratively and he stands up symbolically for Levi and Levi's friends. And he looks at these religious leaders and he makes a statement. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus was getting right to the point of the problem. The Pharisees considered themselves spiritually healthy and righteous. They weren't spiritually healthy, and they were self-righteous. But they didn't think they needed Jesus because they don't need to be fixed. They're already good. And Jesus makes a point, I didn't come for people who think they're already good. I came for people who know they need a doctor, who know they have a problem, and they're open. That's who I came for. I came to these people. They welcomed me, and I welcomed them. They made time for me. I made time for them. And they're the complete opposite of religious person. But Jesus still made time for them. Now, I think I put it in your hand out there, the, the real scripture here. It's in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. But I got a question for you, and here's where we're going to get a little bit difficult this morning. Do you have a Levi in your life? Is there a person in your world who is your opposite you? Who is that person that you fundamentally disagree with? on pretty much everything. They've got a different worldview than you. They've got different value system than you. They've got different beliefs than you. They have a different opinion than you. Who is your Levi? I mean, Levi was a scoundrel, right? He, he cheated people. He took advantage of poor people. He stole from the poor. He was the opposite of Jesus. Who is your Levi? Your Levi could be a lazy welfare recipient, an uptight Republican, a dope-smoking tree-hugger, a tobacco-chewing survivalist, a Bible-thumping fundamentalist, a spirit-filled Pentecostal, one of them. Somewhere in your world is your opposite you. When we fundamentally disagree with someone, How do we respond to them? How do we treat them? You know, we've been talking about making people happy. It's one thing to sit down and have a cup of coffee with someone you don't really know, right? You're, You're building a relationship. It's a whole different thing to interact with your Levi. How do you respond to your Levi? Accept one another seems easy on the surface, doesn't it? What if your opposite you is your boss? Someone you've got to work with. Or your sister. Or your brother. Your child, your parent. What if your opposite you is your son-in-law? Or your daughter-in-law? Or your mother-in-law? Or father-in-law? How would God want you to respond to the Levi's of your world? <laughs> Leave the room when they enter? Don't go to functions if they're going to be there? Ignore them? Simply don't talk to them? How would God want you to respond to those who are fundamentally opposite to you? There's a great passage of Scripture. It begins in Romans 14.1, and it goes all the way through to Romans 15.7, to this verse. It begins with the word accept. And then this verse, Romans 15.7, begins with the word accept. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And the question, I guess, is what is acceptance? 
What is acceptance? What does it mean to accept one another? Because your idea of accept and my idea of accept may not be the same. You might take exception to my idea of accept, just like the Pharisees took exception to Jesus' idea of accept. But the verse helps us, doesn't it? Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Well, how did Christ accept you? I know how he accepted me. It was a little out of the ordinary. I'm not going to go into great detail. One day, Jesus just showed up in my life. Went to bed normal. Woke up. Jesus was there. It's like, hey, Bishop, I'm real. I was 100% a person of the world, meaning that my behavior, my attitudes, my thought life in no way represented anything to do with Christ. Not even remotely. But Jesus showed up and he accepted me. Now, he didn't accept my behavior. He didn't accept my attitude. He didn't accept my thought life. But he accepted me. He accepted what he could do with me. He didn't tell me to clean up and then come on in. He said, come on in. I'll clean you up. That's acceptance. He showed grace and truth. And this is where it gets difficult. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I needed his grace to forgive me, and I needed his truth to correct me. Jesus says, I love you. Come on in, but I love you too much to leave you as you are. Jesus brings truth, but he does so gracefully. And he brings grace, and he does so truthfully. You see it throughout the Gospels. Grace told the adulterous woman, I do not condemn you. Truth said, go and sin no more. Grace invited a swindler called Zacchaeus to to host Jesus for a lunch. Truth prompted him to sell half of his ill-gotten belongings and give to the poor. Grace called Peter to climb out a boat and, and walk on water. And truth reprimanded him when his faith slipped. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Now, here's where we get to the heart of of, of this thing, where it gets difficult. If we offer only grace, we gloss over truth. And if we offer only truth, we dismiss the beauty of grace. And it's trying to find this balance between grace and truth. And this is not easy especially with those who are your opposite you. friend and I were sitting down last week, told him I was going to be preaching on this, and he brought up some specific examples, talking about people who are fundamentally different than we are. And he was saying, well, you know, you've got to tell them the truth. You've got to tell them they're wrong. You've got to tell them they're, they're, they're sinning. And I said, well, you've got to show them grace. And the problem is, he's right, and I'm right. How do you balance those things up? Now, good news, I got on the internet, and there's a pill. Now, I wish. 
how do you balance those things up? We were sitting talking. I said, I don't know. (laughs) How do we speak truth gracefully and offer grace truthfully? I know there, there, there have been times in my life when somebody's come to me and they're sharing their story and there's something going on in their life and it's like I loaded up my gun with truth and boom, Bible truth, boom, Bible truth, boom, take that. And then there have been other times when somebody's come to me and they're telling me and, and instead of giving them truth, just give them all grace. Oh, it's okay. It's hard. So what are we to do? I've got some suggestions for you. Some things that we can do to help show grace and truth. Number one, reserve judgment. If you've got your notes, write that one down. Reserve judgment. Get to know their story. Before you pass judgment on their behavior and their beliefs, take time to learn their story. Why do they behave this way? Why do they believe this way? It's completely opposite to what I believe. Why do they believe that? Why do they behave that way? So often we paint people with this preconceived idea of of who they are based simply on, on how they vote, maybe. And it's a big brush. We don't get we don't take the time. To discover why do they think that way. Proverbs 18.2 says. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Before you pass judgment. Take time to listen. Listen to understand what it's like to walk in their shoes for a while. What's it like to be a single mom? What's it like to have had an abortion? What's it like to be unsure of your sexual identity? What's it like to be rock solid sure about your sexual identity, but it's not the one that you were born with? What's it like to be in a loveless marriage? What's it like to bury a child? What's it like to be born into affluence? What challenges does that bring? What's it like to not know where the rent check is coming from at the end of the month? What's it like to grow up in the home of an abusive parent, an abusive spouse? What's it like to live with someone who's dependent on some addiction? What's it like to be someone who is dependent on an addiction? What's it like to be an immigrant in America? What's it like to be part of a minority or part of a majority? (laughs) What's it like to be a white middle-class man nowadays? What's it like to be a teenager these days? What's it like to walk in your shoes? Help me understand and listen. Someone said, sometimes I act like I'm listening but I'm just reloading. See, listening is not formulating a response. Listening is just listening. I want to know what it's like for you. I want to understand why you believe what you believe, why, why you behave the way you behave. You might not agree with their perspective. You may never agree with their perspective, but at least you now understand it. 
And maybe that's where we start with our Levi. Reserve judgment and learn their story. Second one, resist the urge to shout. Man, there's a lot of shouting going on, isn't there? Bumper stickers shouting, internet shouting. It, it seems to me, you know, sometimes when I'm, I'm watching the news and, and some of these shows, the, the only purpose of these shows is to give someone a platform to shout at somebody. The last two years has just been incredible. One group shouts at another, we're better than you, we're smarter than you, we're more sophisticated than you, we're holier than you. And sometimes the purpose of shouting is just to drown the other person out. You don't want to hear their perspective. If I just keep shouting at you. Here's the thing, though. Shouting feels good. Maybe some of you don't agree, but for most people, shouting feels... I like to have arguments. I love arguing. Shouting feels good, but I don't think it does any good. Just drowning someone out. Shouting at your Levi feels good. But Romans 14, one says, do not argue about opinions. You see, it's one thing to have an opinion, a whole other thing to have a fight. And sometimes we get those things mixed up. When you sense the volume is rising, the intensity is increasing, it's heating up, zip it. Close your mouth. doesn't matter if you didn't get the last word. Resist the urge to shout. It's better to keep quiet and keep a friend than it is to be loud and lose one. Third one. Be clear on your convictions. Be clear on your convictions. After you've listened, after you've resisted the urge to shout... Be clear on your convictions. If God has spoken truth in your life, be clear on those convictions and speak them clearly. Understand what you believe and why you believe it. Don't just be parroting stuff because Pastor Mike said it or the guy on whatever YouTube channel you like said it. Understand what you believe and why you believe it. If Christ has spoken truth into your life, he's given it to you for a purpose so that you can tell other people. But you need to be willing, that, willing to do that in a clear and respectful manner. Excuse me a moment. First Peter 3.15, one of my favorite verses. Always, how often? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. Always everyone. These are pretty definite who asks you the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And just remember, God loves Levi's. And consider this. Maybe you're Levi. You're somebody's Levi. And as right as you think they are, you are. They're not on board with you. Let me close with this, and then we're going to have communion. <laughs> this is kind of funny. In his book, Streams of Mercy, Mark Rutland refers to a survey in which Americans were asked which words they most like to hear. Which phrases do they most like to hear? They did this survey. 
Now, most people can guess number one. What do you think it is? Say it. I love you, right? People want to hear I love you. What do you think number two is? You're right. No, that's a good one, though. I forgive you. I forgive you. What do you think number three is? Supper time. (laughs) But that's the gospel, isn't it? Jesus came full of truth, came full of grace and truth. I love you. I forgive you. And he came with an invitation to a meal, a banquet. Back in Levi's day, it was a physical banquet right there. For us and our Levi's, there's a banquet in heaven that we can't even imagine. It's funny, I was reading up this week on something for something else. I was doing like, is there going to be food in heaven? There is. We won't need it to sustain us. We won't need it to keep us alive. But food is good, isn't it? We enjoy eating. There's going to be food in heaven. There's a banquet table set for us all. I love you. I forgive you. Come to the table. Now here's the thing, folks. I think that when we get up there, we might be surprised at some of the people sitting around the table. And they might be just as surprised to see us. We have to accept people the way Jesus accepted people in order to bring glory to God. Communion is supposed to be next week, but I thought, man, that just fits so nicely. So we moved communion up a week to this week. Can I have those come forward, please, or we're going to take up communion with us? Supper's ready. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) It's a doozy. As we share communion today, I want to do something here. I want you to consider something. Get back here, man. We need you. You get one each. Levi. (laughs) Thank you for that, though. Here's what I want you to consider. As you come to communion and you consider how Christ accepted you, I want you to think about your opposite you. I want you to pray for your opposite you. Whoever that person is that you are fundamentally different from, that you would rather not spend any time with if you could. And if you do, can't wait to get a little dig in there. Consider them as you take the blood, as you take the body of Christ that was broken for you, that was broken for them too. Have you set up there? If I have you go here. Let's pray right in the middle there. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your truth. 
Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Father, I give you thanks that when we struggle with our Levi, when we offer too much truth, you are graceful to forgive us for that. When we offer too much grace and we're not truthful enough, you are graceful to forgive us that. Father, as we come to communion today, each and every one comes to communion as a sinner, as one who is not worthy to be in your presence. But through the blood of your Jesus Christ, your Son, we have been given permission to boldly approach the throne of grace in our moment of need. Father, help us all to extend that grace to those people that we find it most difficult to extend grace to, that we would be truthful and graceful and graceful and truthful. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Amen. Please come forward, take the juice, take the bread back to your seat, and we will share communion together. So just come get it and take it back. The feast in heaven's going to be a bit bigger. <laughs> this is kind of a keepsake. Looking forward to what is to come. We get to participate in the feast in heaven 
because of the Lord Jesus who broke his body for us. Take and eat. And his blood that was shed for us. Take and drink. Father, once again, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this simple celebration. It's so insufficient for what it represents. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his grace. Thank you for his truth. Father, teach us to be graceful and to be truthful that we might bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hector is going to come up and share some announcements with you. Good morning. Welcome. If you're new to Lakeway, uh, we're glad you're here. You could have gone anywhere and God brought you here and we're blessed to have you. For those who are watching online, if this is their first time, again, we're blessed to have you online. Um, for those that uh, would like to be a part of Lakeway, receiving correspondence, emails, etc., in front of your chairs is a communication card. So just go ahead and uh, fill that out and then uh, place it in the offering basket as you exit. Speaking of offering, um, for those that are online, you can go directly to our website. It's called Tidely, and you can do your offerings there. You can still drop off a check here at the office. And then for those that are here, uh, again, there's a basket as you walk out the door. A couple of announcements. If you look behind the bulletin, and for those that are online, you can see our events. But uh, women, speaking to you, uh, Heart Strong Faith, a women's conference. It's going to start on February 25th and end on February 26th. It's like a Friday night from 7 p.m. to 9.45. And on Saturday, it's a 9 to 3 uh, conference. Uh, First Baptist Church in Dallas. Tickets are $71, and you can see my wife, Kelly Leal. Uh, so with that, uh, guys, encourage your wives to be a part of this. I know a couple of the ladies are looking to go to dinner prior and make it more of an event of that nature. So... Encourage your, your spouses to be a part of something special. Uh, First Monday prayer, which is tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Uh, we ask that you join us. Um, a little bit of construction is going to happen here in the sanctuary. We'll speak more about that. But I uh, encourage you to be a part of something special uh, and uh, be a part of that. Yes. Yes, sir. Our furnace in the youth building is not working, so we're going to probably host it here in the sanctuary or across the hall. We'll figure it out. Just join us for prayer. Pray about it. (laughs) And you know what? I wrote down on my notes here, and this is for the ladies specifically. How do you respond to your Levi? And my answer is you send them to the men's retreat, period. (laughs) Guys, uh, rise up. Uh, Speaking to a lot of the gentlemen, I said, you know, it's been a tough two years. Uh, We find ourselves uh, trying to face life alone and uh, try to put all the struggles on life on our own shoulders. We've become a little complacent. Guys, this is a time to get out and uh, do something different. If you've never been a part of our Lakeway Men's Retreat, I'm going to tell you, the people that we've drug out there before didn't want to go. And after they experienced a day and a half with a bunch of men dealing with life the same way, with the same struggles, They said, I couldn't imagine not being a part of that. And so if you need help financially, uh, a little tug, et cetera, come see me. Come and see Randy Thompson. Where's Bob? Bob Chesney. And uh, absolutely, be a part of something special. We'd love to have you. 
In fact, uh, we're going to have registration. It's already going to be online this afternoon. There's going to be correspondence that's going to be sent to you directly. If you haven't got anything, you can be part of the email distribution. And then we're going to start taking registrations next week. Um, rise up. Next thing is um, benevolence needs. We still need like canned tuna, uh, canned fruit. Uh, there's still a need out there. And Lakeway's been a great, tr- tremendous contribute to folks that are in need and this is what we're asking for just drop it off here at the office and we'll make sure it gets to the right folks all right last request oh breakfast oh yeah breakfast next saturday uh and guess who's gonna speak i'll pick you out in just a second no i'm joking uh love to have something special eight o'clock here at lakeway we start out with about uh anywhere from what guys uh eight to 15 to 20 guys we cook our own breakfast and we just break bread together, and it's just a wonderful time. And uh, it's 8 o'clock tomorrow, or Saturday, and love for you to join us. Last but not least, and this is where I was really getting excited ahead of my, my, myself, we need your help. I need about 30 minutes of your time. We're getting new carpet today. So they're going to start putting in carpet throughout the entire church. This is what the ask is. Um, ladies, anybody that can help, as soon as we get dismissed, if you could start stacking these chairs in eight. High as eight. We're going to move all the chairs out of the sanctuary. Also need about three or four men that can help us move some furniture that's in the lakeside room. We're going to move it over to the fellowship hall to get that room cleared out. And then I need some help, about another four men. And Bible bears, you can see David. Where's David at? There he is. David's going to head up that little committee out there, and we're going to move some furniture uh, from the Bible bears office and go from there. Looking for about 30 minutes of your time. If we all join hands, we can get it all done. What do you think? Okay, great. Let me go ahead and close this. Oh, Benevolence. Okay, yes. So every time we, we actually uh, do the Lord's Supper, we actually take a benevolence. And this money does not go to lake waste. Beyond your tithes and offerings, this goes to uh, those in need. And we distribute that to electric bills, etc., and so with any extra money that you have besides your offerings and your tithes, it will go to the benevolence. And so anything helps. You can see Lynn, you can see Bob, and uh, love to see that. So the offering goes in the bucket, benevolence goes in the basket. Benevolence goes into the basket, and offering goes into the bucket. Gotcha. All right, anything else, Pastor Mike, as we do announcements? No, I'm joking. Let's go ahead and close this. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, Lord, I just thank you for this wonderful weather this morning, the beautiful sunshine. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit being with us today. Lord, we just thank you for you. Lord, protect us and guide us. Allow us to be the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, uh, allow us to be as loving to the Levi's as you would be. And uh, Lord, just thank you for this message once again. Protect us and guide us. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you.